Okay, good morning, everybody. Hope everybody's well. Happy midweek. Another opportunity for us to get a little bit better. September is rolling here. I can feel the high holiday season starting for those that are observing. Back to school, back to life. It's a fun time. It's a fun time. The world's getting serious. We were talking about this idea of ownership. We're looking at the world, and when you look out into the world, we see that things don't work the way we want. And it is natural for us to attribute blame to somebody else. And that may be accurate. We're not talking about the accuracy of something here. We're talking about the impact of that analysis on your life. Right? It's not like she's wrong and I know she's wrong. It's that it doesn't matter if she's wrong if you're not going to grow from it. What do you win when someone else is wrong? Right? This is I remember hearing this example, you know, years ago about how they catch monkeys. I don't know if this is true or not, but it's a good legend, even if it's not. Apparently, when they were trying, I don't know who's trying to catch wild monkeys, but whoever was, was having a hard time because it was nearly impossible to get your hands around them. They were too quick. They would jump on trees. So what they would do is they would have a board they would go to like a forest where wild monkeys live and they would put out a wooden board and they would line up bananas, which wild monkeys love. I think for humans, it'd be like donuts. And then they would hammer in to the, to the board certain of the bananas, I guess in a way where you couldn't rip it out or they would be decoys, if you will. So they would leave it out and monkeys would come and take a banana and leave and monkey was, and then a monkey would show up and see a banana, but it wasn't really a banana. It was one that was sort of fastened to the, to the wooden board and the monkey would grab the banana, but the banana wouldn't come off and the catcher would be right behind with the net and the monkey would see the guy and grab the banana and like, you know, look up and see the guy and he just wouldn't let go of the banana. And he sees the guy, the banana, he sees the guy, the banana, but he's a monkey. He doesn't have the analytical capacity to be like, it's a banana. You'll just find something else. Just let it go and keep your freedom. And he's just grabbing onto the banana as the guy comes and captures him. Right? Another way I've heard this was they would put a hole. And I guess that was too hard to, to you can get your hand in this way, but not this way. And they would put nuts and the monkey would put his hand through, grab the nut, and he couldn't get his hand out. And the, the, the point was, it's really hard for monkeys to see the bigger picture sometimes. They're too fixated. I think Andy's already posting this. They're too fixated on the short-term rewards. There you go. The monkey, Andy's already posting. As I'm talking, he's already, he's already posting this. I don't know who's, uh, Andy, maybe you want to just mute whoever's uh, making that noise. Um, I don't know. I don't know who's. Po I don't know. I don't. He, Andy's got it for those that are you know so live with me here, or on on Facebook or on Zoom. He's ready. He's ready to put the thing in. But the idea that we can't see the bigger picture. I know we're making fun of monkeys here, but guess what? 
how many times in life are we fighting for what's right? And when we get it, everybody loses. How many fights are we in that we're right? We just can't let go of the banana. Like who cares if, you, if you're right? The fixation on being right reduces the ability to see the picture, which is me being right isn't fixing anything. It's still making me miserable. It's still not changing the scenario, right? Do you want to be right or do you want the light? Excellent, right? Being right and being happy are two separate things. Now, once we start to change the direction of where the ownership lies, we begin to free ourselves of these concepts like right and wrong with other people. We start to appreciate that I want to find the part of it that I was, that I could have been better, right? And this is the subtle difference because if you don't get this, it's, gonna, it's, not gonna, it's not gonna digest properly. I'm not suggesting that you walk into a dysfunctional relationship and then feed it and the other person has no ability, has, has no responsibility to you, steps all over you and every time you're like, I'm sorry, that was my fault. I'm not suggesting to create dysfunction around us. What I'm suggesting is that every one of us has a specific task in this world. And when we are brought in front of things, they're for our benefit, they're for our growth. And when we start to take ownership of things, we open up the door in our own minds to the parts of the failure that really is our fault not from a place of guilt and not from a place of disempowerment, but from a place of empowerment. So if I have that kid in my life, I'm doing everything I can and they're not responding to that. At some point, the frustration in the relationship is going to disempower me. But the more I am looking at it as what am I not doing well enough? Not from a place of there's something wrong with me or not from that place, from a place of I am in this world for a reason. I am in this world because I am being challenged in an area. And it seems as if I can't overcome this challenge, but I don't have to overcome challenges. I have to grapple with challenges. That's the difference. I don't have to fix my kid. And I don't have to fix my spouse. And I don't have to fix my community. And I don't, I don't have to fix the world. I don't have to assert my control over other things. I don't have to fix them. I have to fix me. And I have them because they're going to fix me. They're going to bring something out in me. But if my perspective in dealing with them when we hit frustration is what's wrong with them, I will lose perspective. I will lose my, my schema. will be focused on their issues, which will then only lead to disempowerment because I can't control them. As much as I'd like to, I can't. And the more I try to, I'm frustrated. That's why traffic is so frustrating because we all want to control the flow of traffic and we can't. And it's like we're, we're up against this reality that I am not in control. I don't care who you are. Unless you've got lights and sirens taking you through, and even then it depends on everyone listens to you, you could be the wealthiest person in the world in the nicest car in the world. You roll into the Van Wick and it's bumper to bumper. You hit the Bell Parkway. Guess what? You're like everybody else. The regular Joe sitting in traffic because it's any time of day and it's the Bell Parkway. 
this sense of I can't control it. And we think we can control it now because Waze is like, get off and then make a left on the streets. And meanwhile, Waze sometimes is right. But when you're in Belt Parkway traffic, for those of you from Brooklyn, I don't know how it is around. All I know of really the places that are traffic centers are Los Angeles and New York. I don't know that the other states in America, Israel too has this. I haven't been around enough places to know that the level of just total numbing, you know, soul crushing traffic is, is, is found. But the sense of I want to control when I get to where I got to go, especially if Waze promised me that I'll be there, right? It's like, you feel like they violated your trust. You told me I was going to be there at 226. Why are you adding 10 minutes? Why are you adding 15? No, 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 no. I can't control it. We can't con- forget traffic. We can't control anything. All we can control is ourselves. And when we see frustration, the inclination to go out and figure out what's my right, where are they wrong? How can I fix them? That feeling blocks us and frustrates us. And as the situation gets bigger, oh my gosh, if you want to see proof of this, go look at the protests that are happening across the country. It's people that are, I'm not going to talk about individuals. You're seeing, look at the political process. Look at what this country is descended to. Frustrated individuals that have a point of view and they're trying so hard to control things that they deep down know they can't control. And what it's bringing out in them is anger because they're realizing that they just can't control it. There are, there are other people that are trying to influence. I'm not talking about those people. I'm not talking about the people that are trying to do the right thing. And I'm not talking about those people getting involved. And if, if you feel that there's injustice, you protest, you're allowed to. It's called freedom of speech. I'm talking about people that are angry, not the ones that are just common criminals jumping on the bandwagon just to cause havoc. I'm talking about these people that are just angry. And their anger is coming from a frustration of their recognition of the, the, the lack of control that they have in this world. And as opposed, period, we need to learn from that because we all have it, even if we have it in a micro perspective. When I'm talking about this concept called extreme ownership, I, I saw this in a book from a guy named Jocko Willenick. He's a Navy SEAL. He speaks about this concept my perspective of, and, and he gets it from the story in which he was the commander of a, of, a, of a unit. I don't know which Navy, I think it was Team Six. I don't know. But he was the commander of that unit and they had a mission and it failed. And it really wasn't his fault. But he took ownership of it. And in taking ownership of it, he realized that it opened him up to more than had he just blamed even the person that was correct. I actually just spoke about this with somebody. You know, it's funny. I remember when I was a young associate, and I've seen this so many times in my life, in my business career. I remember when I was a young associate, I would work on a brief or a memo or a contract for hours, like hours, review it 10 times, hand it to a partner. The partner, enough, oh, this happens all the time. Hours. Hours, 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 hours. Review, check, and I would hand it to a partner. He would sit at his desk, cross his legs, and he would flip pages. I'm like, that's like the moment of truth. You know what I'm saying? It's like standing in the partner's office, young associate, flipping pages, not looking out. 
New Tick had his pen. They're always red. Teachers and partners. They have red pens just in case. They don't want you to miss any of their corrections. For the lawyers on the call, you know what I'm talking about. Circle. And he would circle. I'd go back to my desk and I'd flip pages and I'd be like, how did he catch this? Like, how did, he, how did I miss it? And I once asked the partner, how? And he said to me, because I'm the guy talking to the client. You hear that? You hear it? Like, get underneath this for a second with me. The awareness that I'm the one responsible. I'm the one that's the owner of this document. You're not the owner. If you fail, it's in the house. What are you going to get? A slap on your wrist? What do you get? I'm not going to like look at you. Like, what are you going to get if you fail? Guess what? If you're in front of a court, if you're in front of a judge, if you're sitting in a room with people negotiating a deal, a client next to you, opposing counsel in front of you, you make a mistake. It's your reputation. You may lose that client. The ownership of it, the awareness of it, takes your mind and hyper-focuses it on things because you're, you're the owner. So when you turn a page, you see things that someone who's not the owner doesn't see because their mind isn't interested in the things that are challenging. Our minds don't want to be challenged. Our minds want to be comfortable. Right? The greatest thing for our survival would be to rest our minds, not to challenge our minds. Because then it's in the state of, of, of rest. So if it's needed, it can be called on. Your natural state is comfort. It's not challenge because comfort puts you in the greatest position of survival. Your brain doesn't have a long-term agenda. The survival mechanisms in your brain are there to keep you safe today. They, they want you eating as much as you can. It wants you being as comfortable as you can. Everything should be saved. It stores the fat. Your brain, your, your body wants to store fat because it's stored. You have to override that system and challenge yourself and put you, push yourself to the edge every single day. Your brain doesn't want to engage in difficulty. Just like when you're walking down the street or you're driving a car and there's hundreds of stimuli passing by you, your brain is automatically saying, not a threat, not a threat, not a threat, not a threat, not a threat. A lot of the things that you see are knocked out of your brain before it even comes to your conscious mind. You don't have to say, wait a second, there's someone in the aisle two, two aisles away having a conversation. That's not really relevant. Don't listen to it. It doesn't come into your head. You don't even hear it. Until it's loud enough, or there's a pitch that you recognize, or there's a word that you recognize. The amount of stimuli coming into our lives at any given second is well above what we are processing consciously. So there's things that you don't even see because it's going to be too challenging to see it. Right? That's why they did this great research on the tomato sauces. And you know this research, right? I'm sure Mandy's looking it up. Gladwell spoke about this in one of his TED Talks like 10 years ago. How, if you, I think he spoke about this. He spoke about tomato sauce. I don't know if it's connected, but either way. The, the, the tomato sauce companies, the, 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 um, the pasta sauces, they, they started to, as people started to buy more and more, they started to add more variety. Thinking that if there's 30 choices of pasta sauces, 
you know, creamy, chunky with garlic, with this, with vegetables, then the sales will only increase. And what they found was as they added more options to the shelves, the sales actually decreased, which makes no logical sense until you understand the brain. And when you understand how the brain works, you realize that the brain doesn't want to engage in conflict. So if I'm, if I got a shopping list and I go up against two options, creamy or chunky, I can fight that battle. But if I go up to get pasta sauce and it's creamy, chunky, garlic, vegetables, onions, I'm like, holy cow, what should I get? Creamy, onion, uh, I don't know, which one, which one, you know, what? I'll, I'll just come back around to it. You know, I'll see, what, do I, what do I have in the house? Uh, let me see, what am I making tomorrow night? Well, let me just see if they have the, the ingredients that I, because if they have the ingredients, I'll go get the vegetables. But if they have the salmon, I'll go get the gar. Your brain's like, I, 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 I don't know. Sales go down. We don't want to engage in mental conflict. So let's put it into your life. I'm not the owner of my problems. If I'm not the owner of my feelings, if I'm not the owner of my life, then as soon as life gets hard, I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to deal with it. So my brain won't even let me deal with it. It's so much easier to blame other people. It's not like, it's not right or wrong. It's easier. I say this all the time. It's in the companies that we work with. If there's a dysfunction anywhere in the company, you sit around with people, everyone's blaming each other, always. I almost never hear somebody like, it's on me. Why? They don't believe it. They're not good people. They're good people because it's so much harder to take ownership over something. But once you take ownership over it, it opens you up to seeing the things that your brain didn't want to see before. To recognizing parts of us that can grow that our brains would never have shown us. Yeah, I didn't realize that Jocko talks about this in his book. It's an amazing reality. We think that by taking ownership over something, now, and here's where it gets more complicated, which we'll continue talking about, which is nothing is black and white. So that means if you're in a dispute with somebody or you're living in a relationship with somebody, whatever it is, or there's a mistake, it's never like one person's at fault. It's always like there's multiple reasons are at fault. So you're either choosing to err on the side of the other person or err on your side, but in either way, some part of the blame is not really justified. So when you talk about taking responsibility, right, that means you know that when you say it's on me, a part of it really isn't on you. And since we're so biased to ourselves, that's why we always push it off. Right When the kid acts up or the person's upset, we know deep down it was us a little bit too, but we're so biased to ourselves. We have confirmation bias. We're so protective over ourselves that when there's a tie, the tie goes against the runner. The tie goes against the other person. But when we take ownership ourselves, although there's a part of it that may not be our problem. We now get access to the piece of it that is our problem. And if we're not trying to control the situation, we're just trying to get better. Now we have insight as to how we can actually get better. Like life is the greatest teacher of all time. 
Just go through life with, with your eyes open and you're going to see all the things that you need to work on and just fix them. Even if it takes you a decade. And you wake up one morning and you're just moving and growing and growing. You're evolving in a way that so few people are because although most people have the tools, they don't have the perspective. I knew how to fix the questions that were in the partner's brief. I just wasn't the owner of the brief. So when I, my brain passed it, there was like a, nah, it's fine. There's always got to be an owner. There's always got to be somebody who is ultimately responsible. Now, here's the shift that I want you to think about today. And we'll talk about it again tomorrow. Since we think that the world, we're, since we think we're dropped into the playground of the world, we think that there's like something outside us that we can own. Like we're, we're just one person in a pod of lots of people. So there's this relationship and that thing and that company. Like we, we think that our job is to be part of the world around us and you can own things and not just shift that. The only thing in the world that you're in control of is yourself. And everything going around you really is virtual reality to grow yourself. It's not a selfish thing. It's not to serve you. It's to grow you. And if that were true, that means that every aspect of what you see every day really is there so that we can take responsibility for it, not to control it, but to build ourselves. It's not a shot against us. It's insight into growing us. Think about that a little bit today. When you, when you engage in an, an interaction that is frustrating, Try to watch your brain push the responsibility across and reel it in and take extreme ownership, even if it's more than you think, even though, if it, even though it's extreme. Try it. You'll see that it empowers you. It empowers you because it makes you the owner of how you feel. It makes you the owner of your own life. People can't control you. And even if the circumstance is controlling you, it's not controlling you. So let me just end with this. Even if you're in traffic, that's not, that's not you. You are how you are acting in traffic, right? That's why you want to get through traffic. You want to get through traffic because you want to go somewhere because you want an experience in life in the destination in which you're going. Well, the experience in life is your reaction. All right, we'll talk about this. Thanks so much for tuning in. Have an amazing, amazing day. I'm looking forward with God's help. See you again tomorrow.